Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to episode 123 of Geek Time Radio. This week I have with me Andrew. Good morning, afternoon, everybody. Whatever time of day you're listening. <laughs> yes, it is morning for us here because we're doing this Monday morning, which is a difference because we usually do it Monday afternoon. But uh, but uh, yes, still here and awake. So <laughs> yeah. and, uh, lots of things to get through. So um, what have you been up to this week? TV-wise... Uh, the the start of some things that aren't necessarily new in in that sense. Um, Handmaid's Tale has been sitting waiting for me on my TV box for a while, so I started watching that. Yes, uh, very intriguing, but very slow. Yes. Um, I- don't think it's something I can binge watch because I'm a bit fed up after each episode, even though my interest levels are still there to watch the next one. I think yeah. I might end up watching it on a weekly basis in, in, in what young people might call the old fashioned way. <laughs> the Return of Colony, which yes. is a little bit derivative, but uh, like like most things from kind of American big networks, but it's still worth watching. Um and I'm still watching it. I think it really could do with pushing some plot forward uh, fairly soon, though. Yeah, yeah. I know what you um, mean. Watched the end of Lethal Weapon, which is still enjoyable, but I think my criticisms of it are much the same as most US shows. I mean, first of all, there's no ugly people allowed. <laughs> um, I can just about imagine a policeman whose wife was killed by drug lords and possibly a policeman whose wife is so rich, so skilled that she can be offered a handy job out of nowhere by a handy billionaire uh, without ever without ever actually having to be at work. But for, right. both the, for both of these things to happen at the same time and to be partners right at the same time a TV crew happens to be filming them, uh, a <laughs> bit of a stretch. Um, plus, of course, because it's based on a film, we know certainly for the foreseeable future that neither of them is in actual peril, which... Yeah waters it down a bit yes that that is slightly uh difficult because you kind of know with the show like that that they're not going to kill off either of the leads so unless one of the actors decides to leave um yeah. which, which is always a possibility um i think we're at the stage that time of year where have i got news for you has finished mock the week has started but what is interesting with both of them i think they both were on at the time of that massive tower fire in london and for about the first time that I can remember, and obviously it was the major piece of news of that week. It wasn't mentioned because there's literally nothing funny. Yeah, you yeah. can say, but 
I'm surprised in a way that they didn't mention it in passing in the sense of saying, look, we recognise this happened, but we're not going to cover it because we can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult because it's, I, I guess you. it's probably one of those things that got brought up and then got chopped out of the show because the editors decided it probably wasn't a good idea to even mention it but you know yeah probably just as well that frankie boyle's not on it anymore <laughs> yes <laughs> definitely um, i got around to watching the first series of the night of which is oh, an yeah. american show based on a british show um another one that's very slow but incredibly gripping yes really good um, that show. back into one of my favorite uh non-fiction things which is ross kemp's extreme world Yes, I love that series. It's really good. It's two episodes into the new series. Mm. Mr. Kemp is literally the king of the dramatic pause. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's as, as insightful and well made as ever. <laughs> um but I think it's the last series of this this one. So it I'm wondering is. what he'll be, what he's going to do next. I mean, he's fast becoming the Keith Floyd of investigative TV journalism. I think he's very, <laughs> I, very good. Yeah, he, he is brilliant, and I am interested to see what he does next. It's just because he's done numerous versions of this sort of show. I do wonder whether somebody's taken him aside and said, "Look, you're gonna get, you're getting shot at too much. Stop it." But uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, hopefully he carries on with with uh, doing this sort of thing, and it comes back in a different form. Unless he's going back to acting, of course, which is a slightly less dangerous career choice. Possibly, but you know, he, <laughs> he can do investigative TV journalism without necessarily the danger aspect. There, yeah, there are, yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of things you could do. Um, Film-wise, I've watched uh, Aftermath, which is, I, I thought, a fantastic role for Schwarzenegger to do something not particularly action um, and a bit mm. considerably more dramatic um, and fitting for his the age that he is now. And yeah. um, I, one of actually one of his better roles in, in a proper acting role. I was very impressed. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, not, I haven't seen that. I'll have to go and have a look. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to win an Oscar or anything, but it's based on a true story. Not not obviously an American true story, yeah. but it's been, it's been Americanized. I watched Doctor Strange and recognized that I... I'm beginning to suffer with superhero fatigue. I, I, you, you're going to hate me, but I'm not sure I particularly care about them anymore. <laughs> no. too, too many of them. Yeah. Um, I can't really remember very much that actually happened in the film. It wasn't that there was anything wrong with it. It was just another superhero film. Yes, I, I do know what you sort of mean. I, I think the, uh, if my, uh, the Avengers Infinity War has probably come at about the right time because I think they need to shake things up a bit. So Infinity War stuff, which they've just released, well, not released a trailer, they showed a trailer at um, D23, which is the Disney convention, uh, they mm-hmm. showed a trailer to the audience there, which apparently went down extremely well. And it's got basically every character that's been in a Marvel movie in the last 10 years is, will show up at some point. So Yeah, or they I, could kill them all off and then recast it as Iron Woman. <laughs> well, there, there will be a certain amount of that, I'm fairly sure. Whatever comes out of Infinity War is going to be fairly changed and uh, we'll shake things up for that universe quite a lot. So. Yeah, okay. And well, DC seems to be still 
trying to find its its, its feet, basically. Um, yeah, Wonder Woman went down very well. It's it's like one of the highest grossing superhero films of the year so far. So um, that I that's done very well. I haven't seen it yet, but I have heard good things and is it is it not because it's not as dark as the the route that they've been taking with some of the other ones um yeah it's certainly lighter in places it does have dark elements to it actually but it's it's certainly a lot lighter and it's just better written and better directed i think than some of the other ones right okay Um, well the last one in in terms of films which i I don't know if you've seen is a korean film called train to busan no i haven't i've heard of it but i haven't seen it it's absolutely terrific zombie film and I mean, again, zombies are done, <laughs> if you'll forgive the pun, done to death. Um, <laughs> yes. But this one was very, very good. It was contained within a small setting. It's apparently being remade for Americans who don't know how to read subtitles. Of so course we it might is, see, yes. And we might see another version, Train to God knows what, Boston. Philadelphia? <laughs> Boston, Train to Boston, there you go. Yeah. Mm. So that that's film-wise. And obviously there's... Um, Something about a throne that started uh, during the <laughs> during the night, and something about a police box that we need to cover as well. Yes, yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the police box first. So, the okay. um, as I say to Andrew before we came on, I was going to put this in the news, but it was it's such a big news story. We really got to mention it up front. Doctor Who is now a a lady, and it is a lady called Jodie Whittaker. So. I I mean I, I don't really know her. I think I've seen her in Black Mirror and I saw her episode in that and she was very, very good in that. Uh I I haven't seen any of Broadchurch, so uh no, and all the smoke but, but, or marshlands. So But you know that obviously Chris Chibnall, the new showrunner and uh yeah. was on that what so she'll be working with somebody that she's worked with before. Yeah. So a new literally a new era all around. I mean Chris Chibnall apparently he said he always wanted a woman so now they've got their first choice yeah. woman although in fairness he's not likely to say anything else <laughs> that is true um, yes i don't know how long the gender thing's been canon um was that with missy the master missy no that, that it, was brought it, in um it, it's been canon back to the old series because we've had time lords change gender before back in the old series so it has been canon for a very long time Right. Um, so, it, uh, you know, people are getting up in arms about it, and it's well. There's, really... there's too there's too much discussion on Twitter about it. It is it is what it is. The only the only two issues for me are not so much that it's been done. It's the timing. Partly, it's only just been done in the in the revamp series with the master. Yeah. So it it does seem rather like the Doctor is just copying his arch nemesis for <laughs> yeah. fun. Um, yes. But I'm more concerned with the age. To me, the Doctor ought to be somebody in their 50s i don't know why it just seems that way i mean yeah i think it's it's more difficult to do that this time around because of the fact that it's a much more physical show than it used to be true and peter capaldi although he was i think he is in his 50s isn't he but yeah he's uh, a very young 50s he doesn't act it exactly um i mean to me Don Warrington remains my ideal doctor i think he if, if you know him he was in red dwarf in his younger day and he's been playing the commissioner in Death in Paradise. Right, I yeah, think yeah. he, the last three times the Doctor's been changed, I've always thought he would make a fantastic, fantastic Doctor. Yeah. 
but he's probably in his 60s now and I very much doubt that yeah they, they would do that but I mean Jack D said the next after all the next queen is going to be a man so it balances out <laughs> fair point yes <laughs> but, no, I, I mean, mean- there's there's yeah. a lot of people kind of complaining about it, and uh, as many people have pointed out, you know, there's, somebody posted something about oh, Doctor Who's been taken over by the Liberals, and somebody pointed out the fact that the show was started by a woman and a gay man, so you know, <laughs> it's been pretty much in Liberal control, I think, probably from right from the very beginning. Yeah, exactly. Well, that that being said, Tim Farron probably would make a good Doctor. Then <laughs> <laughs> it really would be taken over by the Liberals. Liter- what am I talking about? the liberals yes um now that the gender box has been ticked and of course the limited generation obstacle has been Mm. removed i I still can't remember what convenient explanation there was for that oh it was something Um, that happened in a matt smith episode i honestly can't remember yes something um but there seems to be no specific reason now why the doctor actually has to take a human form presumably he can regenerate into any species alien or earthly the the possibilities are are endless yeah technically i guess that is true although every galathraeum we've seen so far has been of of earthly kind of origin and shape so there may be a reason for that i mean the the uh but i mean there's nothing to stop them altering race or you know uh your gender from now on and uh it's going to be interesting to see where it goes with this as i said to a friend of mine when the announcement was made i don't really care what gender gender the doctor is as long as it's good and the writing's good you know yeah they, they, they arguably should have done it a while ago what they what they really ought to do is take the best person for the job regardless of the gender so in this case if he's always said he wanted to have a woman then they haven't actually done that this time perhaps they should have done that yeah one of the one of the other times they've decided that they wanted something and they've excluded the other yeah yeah Um, so we'll see how it goes uh but more i think more so than the casting is the fact that the the team behind it is changing so hopefully yeah it it will get shaken up a bit and we'll we'll get some some new serials and things going on um Mm. the the possibilities are endless but it it, it has to avoid becoming stale casting or not i i think with moffitt it, it had kind of got to the point where I'm, I mean, the last season I've really enjoyed, but with Moffat, it had sort of got to the point where I, I'm quite glad that he's going and yeah. um, I'm, it's, it's really important. Yeah. I'm looking forward to some new blood coming in. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the big advantages that I have with Jodie Whittaker is Chris knows Jodie obviously very well from working on Broadchurch. So they should have quite a good relationship between the the pair of them, which should make it better in terms of the writing. I'm also quite interested to see who they bring in as a sidekick, whether they are going to go for a, a female companion or whether it's going to be a male companion this time. Um, or, or, both, or both and pick Jack Harkness. Yes. Yeah, well, you see, I, I would love to have uh, Captain Jack as... A, uh, yeah. as a as a sidekick because I mean he has he has just finished his run on uh, in America now so mm-hmm. whether they could tempt him back as a permanent sidekick I mean that that's, 
that would be an interesting back to that pair. Davis era, era though, isn't it? Whether yeah. they would do that, but in in my view, arguably one of the best companions there has ever been was was Captain Jack. Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed John Barabin in that role. Yes. Uh, I would love to see him back again. I express, suspect it wouldn't happen certainly off the start of this, just because he's probably going to want to keep it sort of separate and and going yeah. to want to cast his own people. I would have thought at the yeah, beginning. Exactly. It will. That, it, 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 Captain Jack won't come back. I mean, that's probably going back 10 years now, isn't it? I, I mean, I think Captain Jack could come back. I just don't think he's going to come back as a main companion. But I would like to see them meet up again. Just in an, in an episode, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or an episode or a few episode arc, it'd be nice. It would be interesting to see what they do at Christmas because one, they, they, well, they have two choices. They, they either explain the gender change or they don't. Mm. Um, I mean, like a mentioned earlier the the fact that the, the, the master has literally just done that yeah he could he, they could they could make it very lighthearted and say well you know the master's got his faults but i like that idea so i copied it <laughs> yeah um, maybe more importantly the, the first doctor is going to be in it yeah um and the first doctor was a man of the 60s um so <laughs> with different views on these kind of things so Again, will they just ignore that? Will they? I think suddenly, so. Yes. <laughs> suddenly pretend that the first Doctor is a man of the twenty first century when, in fact, he wasn't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the he's a time traveller. He's a man of all ages. <laughs> very true. Very true. But I mean, that that's the last point I think I wanted to make. Looking forward immensely to seeing David Bradley in the Christmas episode. I think yes, definitely. That will be a, a shining light. Speaking of David Bradley. Game of Thrones, which nice, he, he, nice. He, was <laughs> also, he was also in, and uh, I, I won't go into any spoilers, but he does make an appearance in this episode, which will be confusing some people, considering he got killed at the end of last season. Uh, we'll just we'll just make a point and, and say that Dave stayed up till two o'clock in the morning to watch the yes. first episode of the new series, whereas I haven't, and. For everybody who will inevitably start with the spoiler thing, you know they're they're showing it not only at the same time but as clo- as close to as as possible the American date, and it's now been around for some excuse me nine hours. Yeah, um, I have been on the internet, but I've got hands, a brain, and eyes, and I haven't read any spoilers about it. <laughs> yes, that is that is true. You can you have to be very careful, but yeah, can avoid spoilers. Although now I know David Bradley's in it, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, you you do. <laughs> uh, that's I, uh, that's the only thing I'm going to say because I don't want to I don't want to spoil it any further than that. It's brilliant. As, as it always is, you get to kind of catch up with where everybody is. They do that really neatly. They kind of do, it's almost split into sort of little segments of, you know, you see a bit of King's Landing, a bit of the Night's Watch, a bit of what Danny's up to, a bit of what John's up to, you know, so it kind of does the rounds of, of all the different areas and and uh, shows you where everybody is and what the current status quo is. But, um, you know, writing's still up to scratch. Really enjoyed the opening episode. I'm not going to say any more on it because I know a lot of people might not have got around to watching it yet, so we could kind of talk about it, like, as no. the weeks go on. But, uh, but yeah, we're, I, 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 think, I will say, uh, all I say is I thought it was brilliant. Good, good. Uh, that, I mean, that's pretty much what I would be doing now if it wasn't doing this on Now TV and assuming it's it's up on now tv it will be yeah um, yeah 
but for those people with Sky Atlantic, I think it's on again tonight. It is. It's on again tonight, followed by Thronecast. So that's okay. worth going to watch. Thronecast is usually very good as well. So is is the is the two a.m. showing? Is that just for the first episode, or is that every week? No, I think they do that every week. All right. Okay. They simulcast with the US every week. Right. So, so it should mean that when you get up, it will be on now TV. Okay. So, well, that's that's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. So it should be there. Other thing I watched this week: Man in the High Castle. I finally got round to finish the uh, was it the second season or is it the third season? I can't remember. Whatever the season that's gone out is, uh, I finally got round to finishing watching. Second. Uh, I don't think the th- I, I'm sure the third is still to come. Yes, I think it was a se- season two. So uh, I f- I finally got around to finishing season two, which I uh, thoroughly enjoyed. I think mm-hmm. you know they've kind of moved things forward again. It's it's another one of those shows that can be a bit slow in places, but uh, very compelling viewing. I really it, enjoyed it watching is. that. It is, and I think a word about the cinematography in it um mm. bearing in mind that's a theme for <laughs> this week's show it's amazing how they can take something film it in color and yet because of the setting in the 40s or you know pretend 40s type of background yeah. make it look make make you feel like you've just watched something in black and white yeah i don't know if you know muted. what i mean but it, it, it's, yeah. it's the, the color is definitely there so you know these days when you watch something that's actually in black and white i think a lot, it puts a lot of people off now yeah, um, but they've managed to they've they've managed to film it or certainly post produce it in such a way that you come away feeling that you've watched something old and 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 that is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really nice style to it, and uh, we're we're talking to a cinematographer who is actually currently working on Man in the High Castle, um, as, but we're talking to a cinematographer later in the show, so we'll uh, get some thoughts on that. Fear the Walking Dead. I've also working my way through the second season. Season of that the third season is up on amc but i've only got amazon so i'm working through the second season right now it's kind of a bit mixed this season it's i'm enjoying it but again it's very slow in places and there are things going on which you're kind of going oh why have they done that but uh i'm told that the third season is very good so I'm sort of determined to get through it, and then, <laughs> just so I'm, I'm prepared for when the third season lands. That uh, makes it sound like a bit of a chore. Um, it, it, yeah, it's I am enjoying it, but there were a few occasions where I find myself looking at my phone. So yeah. Yeah, that's always a bad sign. <laughs> yeah, which is never a good sign. A couple of other shows, uh, How to Get Away with Murder, returned finally for its third season. Now, annoyingly, I have been slightly spoiled. Well, I have been spoiled by one major thing for, for this season. Um, but I still quite enjoy seeing how they get to that point. Uh, right. Because the, the opening episode deals as... The, the title suggests with a murder or with somebody dying and i'm fairly sure i caught a headline which tells me who was under the uh, or in the body bag when they <laughs> under the sheet in the body bag in the opening episode and it's all i i think the entire series is a flashback up and up to sort of who killed that guy so <laughs> to, to those of us who've not watched it the, the person under the sheet in the body bag sounds a bit like a very dark episode of scooby-doo <laughs> 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 yes very true um and uh so it's also returned which that, 
Yeah, there was a bit of discussion on that, wasn't yes, there? Yes, yeah, this has been uh, discussion raging because obviously it was dropped by Dave, as we mentioned a few weeks back. It's now been picked up by Netflix, who did their usual thing of picking it up and not announcing until about a day before that they were going to do that. And uh, mm-hmm. so they picked it up. It's now running just hours after the US on Netflix. But of course, a number of people have complaining because of the fact that it's on Netflix and they don't have a Netflix subscription. Yeah, And I, I understand, you know, if you're already paying for Sky, uh, you know, if you're running on a tight budget, then what, six or seven pounds a month could be quite a lot of money. But you have to bear in mind that you don't have to pay a subscription to it. So although you're not going to be able to watch it weekly, if you want to wait until after the entire season goes out, you could always just pay for a month subscription and then turn it off again. I, I remember you, you, you commented to somebody who was asking that in, in the comments section of the website. And, and, and of course, it's, it's, a, it's very sound advice. Yeah. However, when I went to look at the new episode of Game of Thrones on Now TV, and okay, granted, it's not Netflix, it says 29 days left, which is fine. But of course, if I waited until the whole series was finished yeah. and then watched it, I'd find the first three episodes were gone already. Yes, that, that was something uh, you, you can't really do that with Now TV. Because now TV only have a license to have things on for, I think it's four weeks. Or some shows, not all shows, yeah. if there's stuff that they, Sky's have got permission for. but Yeah, they do bring stuff back though, but the, the, there just doesn't seem to be any particular pattern no, for, no, for doing so. No, there's not. They, they ha- only are allowed to keep certain shows on for a, a certain length of time. It's different with yeah. Netflix. I mean, things do come on and drop off Netflix, but... Generally, if they've picked up a show like Suits or something like that, it will be on there for a considerable length of time. So, you know, usually they're on there for a year, two years, something like that before they they disappear. So you should be fine on Netflix. But yeah, you can't do that with Now TV. That's very true. It's worth bearing in mind anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's all the general bits and pieces. Let's move on to some TV and film news. So we kick off the TV and film news this week with some air date updates. We've got a few new shows or a few old shows coming back. Uh, Narcos returns for its third season on the 1st of September, they've announced, which uh, sees Pena going after the Cali cartel in this version. He's, he's lost his, his partner in the uh, new season and he's got some new blood coming in. So uh, it's it's just uh, Pena, not the other guy that are part of the drug squad. But uh, yeah, I, I love that series. And have you managed to catch any of those? No, I've had series one on my list, on my to watch list for uh, quite a long time time yeah i haven't actually got around to it because something else always seems to to leapfrog it right um, so but it still it still remains on my to do to do list first series of that Quite yeah. it's on the third <laughs> third series already so there's plenty there if i enjoy it yeah yeah it is very very good it's a really good netflix show that also on netflix you've got stranger things season two coming we kind of knew this was going to come around halloween but it's actually going to be a couple of days before uh it's coming on friday the 27th of october 
which uh, I'm very much looking forward to that because the first season of Stranger Things was brilliant. And over on Amazon, you've got The Tick, which the first episode's been up for quite a while because it was one of those Amazon things where people go and vote on it. So the uh, entire season, first season, or I think the first half of the first season, if I remember correctly, they're splitting it in two. The first half of the first season starts the 25th of August and then the second half of the first season will be after Christmas. I think. And then Outlander, we finally got a return date. Uh, Again, we knew this was around September, but it's going to be September 11th. We've got that coming back to Amazon Prime in the UK. Looking forward to that. I know a lot of people are very happy that's returned. Well, that's a sign of the times that the entire air date update section is all streaming. Yes, yeah, it is. Uh, They seem to be just mainly streaming stuff, announcing dates last week for whatever reason. so Well, is it, is it perhaps because in terms of traditional TV, we're coming into the, or we're not coming into, we're slap bang in the middle of the summer lull. And yeah. next month, we'll start getting a number of dates for the September, October returns. Yes, that is very true. Well, maybe maybe not next month, but next month and uh, certainly September, October, we yeah. you'll, you'll start to see. So on to the main news stories. As you might be aware, over at Disney, they are making a live action version of Aladdin. And they've announced the cast of Aladdin, Jasmine and the Genie. So Aladdin will be played by a guy called uh, Mina Masood, who has starred in a number of shows I, I haven't really heard of. One called Poser, one called The 99 and one called Open Heart. But it looks the part from uh, from the photos I've seen. He's, he's also coming up in the new Amazon Jack Ryan series as well. He looks like he could be quite good for the role. Then opposite him playing Jasmine, you've got Naomi Scott, who was in Terra Nova and was most recently the Pink Power Ranger in uh, the new Power Rangers movie. She's playing Jasmine. Again, she's a really good pick, I think, for that. Then the big question of the genie, because this was always going to be difficult. What exactly do you do? There was rumours flying around that Jim Carrey was up for it, which was a horrible idea, because you would have ended up directly comparing that performance to Robin Williams, because yeah. there, Robin Williams was a genius. Jim Carrey... It, slightly less so but uh i you know i i think they're far too close to call what they've actually done is they've gone for will smith which i think is a very sensible idea um because he's got comedic chops he's different enough from uh, the robin williams performance he's going to be a very different type of performance i think so i think he's quite a good choice for it if you're going to do it you know, you need something that's, you need uh, somebody in that role that's not going to be directly compared to Robin Williams. And I think Will Smith is probably True. a good choice for that. Yeah. Not, don't want to diss the Fresh Prince, but not casting William Shatner is a missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> you, yes, well, you would always say that. <laughs> uh, although I would kill to see that. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> um, that film, film, interestingly, has been directed by Guy Ritchie. Um, oh so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I has some experience with music. I guess so. Um, we'll see. But I, the interesting that, choices, director. That sounds like it's absolutely all over the place. Yes, it does a little um, bit. That has the potential to. I mean, it's Disney, so it's unlikely to be a complete mess. But yeah. it sounds at the moment, until things start coming together, that it's a disparate 
My goodness. Um, yeah, I didn't even realise there was music in it as well. Well, I'm assuming there's music in it because you can't really do Aladdin without... Although, I mean, I suppose they did The Jungle Book with only a couple of songs in it. So it's whether they're going to go down that route of only have a few of the songs or whether they're going to go down the Beauty and the Beast route where it's pretty much everything. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll have to see. But I'm yeah. assuming they're going to want to... You know, you, you're going to need to put things like a whole new world in. I would have thought because otherwise people are going to get upset. So it's, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with with that. I'm, I am still slightly nervous about it because I think, you know, as much as I think Will Smith is a good casting for that part, I do think it's very dangerous because of the Robin Williams performance and the cartoon is such a classic that, uh, yeah, I don't Music. know. Music, can we get Will Smith start rapping from West Persia, born and raised? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That is true. So maybe, maybe that is why they've uh, why they've got well in there. So that could be interesting. But I'm actually look. It, it sounds very. It sounds a mess, but I'm I, I'm almost certainly watching because it, it sounds very intriguing. Um, and hopefully it'll work out really well because it does. There's things in there that I pretty sure we've struggled to find other examples of you know such a different the director uh known for kind of gangster films and uh will smith is okay yeah he, he he's done comedy he can certainly sing ish but he's known for action these days and yeah yeah uh, i mean uh, I, I don't know Guy Ritchie's kind of moving away from the the gangster stuff, you know. He's but he does have a, yeah. He's done, had a great success with Sherlock. He had great success with the Arthur Legend thing that he did. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, you know he is moving away from the gangster thing. But that is always my first thought: is the gangster's head getting bashed in by <laughs> in the car door? It's always the yeah. first thing I think of. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Really yeah, I mean but, uh, that that happening to the soundtrack of a whole new world doesn't really fit. <laughs> no, all that well. <laughs> very true. <laughs> um, um, good. Okay. Spe- speaking of Vinnie Jones, moving on to the Flash, which is a show that he's also appeared in. We've got a apparently rumours of a new hero, two new villains, and some. There were some shots of Kid Flash on set as well not looking so much like Kid Flash this season. Uh, Flash season four is currently back shooting in Vancouver. There's a couple of casting call things that went out that somebody claimed to get hold of. So we've not managed to verify these, so we don't know how genuine they are, but they sound correct. So I, I suspect they're okay. Minor spoilers if you don't want to know what characters are coming up in the next season of Flash season four. You've got a character who is male to mid-late 30s. He can be any ethnicity. He's described as a Ryan Reynolds or Chris Pratt type. He's called Ralph. He's able to drastically shape, change the shape of his body, but he's having a difficult time changing his ways. Most likely going to be the comedic relief for the season. The Ralph they're referring to, for those of you that don't know your DC comic books, is Ralph Dibney, and uh, he is also known as Elongated Man, who is, is basically a sort of elastic man that that can stretch his arms and legs. Mr. Tickle, basically. <laughs> kind of. Apart from, yeah, yeah. He, he kind of, uh, he, he's, he's basically elastic and can kind of flatten himself and uh, like Mr. Fantastic, basically. Similar kind right. of setup. So, I mean... Th- the the uh, that's kind of interesting, and I I do wonder how much he's going to use that ability because surely that's going to blow a load of their budget if they're going to have to have him stretching all over the place every season. Well, 
Yeah, or they might do like Manimal, where they have the same thing <laughs> stretching, film them stretching through a letterbox and reuse it episode after episode. It depends on the budget they've got, I suppose. Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting because that could, unless they've got a cheap CGI way of doing it, that that could. Uh, I mean, I suppose they have to put CGI in most episodes, so maybe it isn't such a big thing, but. Yeah, so uh, I I quite like Ralph Dibney as a character. It's going to be interesting to see him come up on screen because I loved him in the comic books. There's a great run written by uh, Brad Meltzer called Identity Crisis, which is a fabulous book. If anybody wants a good recommendation for for a uh, for a book, and he's one of the central characters in that. Right. One of the villains, which they kind of already confirmed anyway, because they'd said that the main villain would not be a speedster this time, and it looks like it's going to be a uh, somebody called Clifford Defoe, who is a also known as the Thinker. He's a character has been around since the 1940s. He's was caught up in the particle accelerator explosion and explosion, and basically became an, an extremely intelligent metahuman. So he's a super genius, and he's trying to fix everything he thinks is wrong with humanity so the idea is that it's sort of the fastest brain alive versus the fastest man alive is is kind of the the premise for the villain for this season by the sounds of it Mm. i i don't know much about that character other than that but i i think i'm glad they're not using a speedster for a change because i think they'd done that to death for the last three seasons yeah it's it's kind of like sounds more like your traditional megalomaniac genius Mm. In, in superhero things, pinky in the brain kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's going to be, I don't know how they're going to manage to set that up so he's getting the better of Flash. That's going to be tricky, but we'll see. I uh, I do like the fact that he's not a speedster for a change. Uh, he's also got a sidekick who's called the Mechanic, who isn't, he's a new character for the show because it's not a character that's been in the DC universe anywhere, as far as I can tell. There's no comic book counterpart. That's Jason Statham, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah so it is uh, apart from this is a girl these uh, females 30 to 40s extremely done it again yes extremely intelligent <laughs> engineer who designs devices for uh, Clifford basically his right hand and will dis- support him no matter what the consequences so she is the sidekick essentially to the thinker also this week there was a few shots of them filming which uh, snuck out of the set which sees Wally West aka Kid Flash in the full on Flash outfit so it looks like I mean the end of season 3 we saw Barry disappear back into the speed force because to sort out the imbalance caused by releasing Jay Garrick and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, obviously we know Barry's going to come back, but it looks like that they've convinced Wally that he needs, that the city needs a Flash. So he's been in the full Flash outfit, which I thought was kind of interesting, because, of course, Wally has been the main Flash in the comic books for quite a long time, uh, you know, on and off. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was quite cool. I, I you know, it's nice to see. I, I don't know whether they're going to then alter his outfit or keep him in that outfit when Barry obviously inevitably comes back. Whether they're whether he's going to end up going back to his Kid Flash outfit, I don't know. But uh, yeah, that looks quite good. So the Flash returns for his fourth season on Sky One in the autumn. 
sticking with comic books, we have another comic book adaptation. This one's called The Umbrella Academy, which is coming to Netflix. This was one that Beck spotted. It wasn't one that um, I really knew much about, It's uh, but it's a comic book I think she likes. So it's a story in a, set in a world where in the instant final blow of a cosmic battle, 43 superhuman infants are simultaneously born to unconnected women who show no previous signs of pregnancy. Uh, seven of the superpowered infants survive and, and an alien in human disguise called the Monocle adopts and raises them as a superhuman team. So they're, they're called the Umbrella Academy and they're preparing for an unnamed future world-ending event. Well, I'm sure that's fine on another world. I mean, if that happened on this world, there'd be social workers everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a terrible, terrible uh, lack of government oversight there. Absolutely. Um, so it's it's sort of a, a an extra, a strange dysfunctional family trying to save the world is sort of the idea. It's a slightly alternate reality where uh, JFK was never assassinated. So it's set in 1977. Whether they're going to continue that with the... Uh, adaptation that goes on to tv i don't know but uh, i thought that was kind of interesting have a sort of other world thing going on that's a great time to set things i mean the, 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 whoever gets the job of being in charge of the costume department there setting stuff in 1977 i mean that will be a rhapsody in orange and brown and <laughs> yeah. that would be fantastic to see on screen Yes, it could be very, very cool. The book has won a lot of critical acclaim. So, uh, you know, it's it's a good kicking off point. It won the uh, Eisner Award in uh, 2008. So I, I think it, they've picked a really interesting project to start off with. It's also interesting to see Netflix kind of moving away from some of the Marvel stuff and into slightly more interesting, quirkier comic book fare, you know. Uh, I think that's kind of interesting. Set to air 10 episodes next year is that's due to come for its first season. So uh, that could be quite cool. Looks quite interesting, I think, that one. Yeah, I'll have to get, a, I really will have to get a Netflix account. Yeah. I know it's, it's a discussion that we, we, you mentioned before, but... Um, it is worth on its, it. On its own, it's not costly. Um, but like many of the people have said before, if you have that and something else and something else and something else, plus a major... TV's the subscription, which in most cases comes with your internet, which you can't do without in order to get these things in the first place. If you have your internet from Sky or Virgin, by the time you add all these things together, it is quite expensive. Yeah. When in, when in the old days, we had none of those. Uh, you had your license fee and that was it. Yeah, I know what you mean. It all piles up after a while, but uh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I think but I, I think it's, it's, it's definitely Netflix is a service worth the money at this point. Uh, just the amount of backlog stuff and bits and pieces that, that are going on there now, it is worth picking up. Even if you're not doing it permanently and you just kind of stick it on for a month every six months just to binge watch your way through through bits and pieces, you know? Yeah, well, I think I mean, that's that's pretty much what I do with uh, Now TV. It's it's there for Fortitude and Game of Thrones because I don't have Sky Atlantic. Yeah. Although, in fairness, both of those I can... I, I do have Love Film, so both of those I can wait a few more months. Yeah. Well, on disc, it's just yeah, it's just I, I, for things that I really like. I don't want to wait that long, so yeah. you know, it's it's worth a small subscription for a little while. Not not a subscription, a small couple of months at seven ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. 
which is the cost of buying the thing on DVD anyway. Two months at seven ninety nine. It comes to the same thing, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. There was one other little news story which I forgot to put on our list, but uh, the one other little news story that popped up, which was uh, Elementary's Lucy Liu is apparently directing the premiere of the next season of Luke Cage, which I thought was kind of interesting. I didn't know she I, I didn't know she directed. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, she she apparently she's directed a few short films and she done four or five episodes of elementary but she has a prior working relationship with the showrunner of luke cage because she worked with him on southland so uh, right because he's oh, not yeah he's now the showrunner on luke cage so yeah they kind of know each other that way and uh, she uh, got invited to uh shoot one of the episodes but interestingly it seems to be the premiere episode which is actually doing so mm-hmm. so okay. yeah hopefully that'll go well Yes, I I hope so. I mean, you know, the thing is with those sort of TV shows, it's one of those things where the director, you know, they kind of know their job well enough that the director's sort of there to offer advice and point at things and, and trying to get the best performances out of the actors. You know, the actual, I mean, all the scripts will be set, all the... Uh, you know, I mean, if you've ever heard Kevin Smith talk about this when he sets into the Flash, he basically says, "I I basically feel like a super fan sat there <laughs> because and I just get the best seats and I get to talk and suggest things to the actors." But that's basically it because the rest of it runs like such a well-oiled machine at this point, particularly on a network show that's running like twenty-three episodes or twenty-four episodes a season. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything runs so well that I really there's there's only a so much I could do because you just kind of pointing to things and saying, okay, well, I think we got that next shot, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like over, oversight than hands on. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that's, that's really good that she's uh, branching out, out like that. And uh, you know, she has, as I say, she has got some experience of it. So uh, I'd be interested to see what that comes out like. Yeah. Turned out okay for Jonathan Frakes. That's very true. Yes. And uh, that, that was something else as well. Jonathan Frakes, Frakes is apparently directing, I think one of, the episodes of the new star trek as well so it was also announced so um that's cool yeah so, uh, what i want really to know now is it does it does he have the beard these days or not i it think he does com- it kept coming and going didn't it i think he does yes i think right. he's kept okay. it i think it's a permanent Good. feature now <laughs> fair enough um so with that out of the way let's move on to the interview ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The interview this week is with cinematographer Matthias Herndahl. Matthias started out as a child actor, but it sort of feels like he's always been destined to work in film. He first kind of got interested in it when he stumbled across an old Bolex 16mm camera when he was five years old in his father's basement. And literally, it doesn't. It seems like a camera hasn't left his hand since that moment because he spent most of his childhood when he wasn't doing his child acting stuff, just making stop-motion animation. His parents brought him kind of more film. He eventually got involved with a film studio and... Uh, 
uh, you know, worked his way through, uh, went to film school. So he's worked as a cinematographer on things like Sean's Bean's uh, short-lived Legends TV series. He's worked on Witches of East End, Flashpoint, Wayward Pines, Motive. And most recently, the thing we were really talking to him about was Genius, the National Geographic show. This was National Geographic's first step into scripted drama and might have seemed like a big gamble, but it was one that really paid off because it's now been nominated for 10 Emmys in this year's Emmy Awards, which is pretty good going. Uh, we had a chance to have a little chat to him about uh, creating a unique look for the series and also working with the series series exec producer and director ron howard so here's the interview with matthias we'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week hi matthias how are you doing good thank you thank good. you good whereabouts are you i'm in vancouver bc right now ah okay yeah ah good you've been working all week because i know we've we've rearranged this i don't know how many times yes i'm so sorry it's been <laughs> it's been it's been very it's been very um volatile lately <laughs> uh what, what are you working on at the moment then um i've been um uh, working on men in the high castle it's in i've been being, doing some filling in days here and there for them ah um, okay cool you know and um it was just quite unpredictable because you know it's it was sort of there's a there's quite a few units going and it's just moved around in me a lot. Ah, right. I'm okay. Kinda, I'm, 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 I'm more used to having a bit more control over the schedule. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I guess it's like that if you're filling in on shows. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're on just to talk a bit about your work and and uh, you uh, genius as well, which is the the big thing you've done recently. And uh, genius, mm-hmm. genius has just got, I think five emmy nominations i think it was announced um a, a total of 10 actually yes. 10 actually was it oh wow yeah 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 so that's done very well uh for, for yeah. you was that national geographic's kind of first major drama as well i think yes indeed it was actually the first um scripted drama and national geographic has ever done wow and um yeah they went they went in head first and it's um it's it worked out for them which i'm i'm really glad you know it's um it's a big success yeah yeah it, it went down really well over here as well um oh cool so, yeah you showed on they showed it on national geographic over here as well so but Great. yeah so how did you how did you get involved with the uh with the show i um had a previous work relationship with um, mike posey from who was at fox 21 and as a studio executive who is now at fox as a studio executive um i've worked on um, a few shows with him and he um a few shows ago introduced me to ken biller who is a showrunner on Genius. And I did a show with Ken Billock. Um, I did the second season of a show called Legends with Ken. Yeah, yeah. Um, which um, coincidentally was also shot, shot in Prague. Right. And so I worked with Ken on that. And then um, when Genius came about, Ken and Mike Bowley said to me, it's a long shot, but, you know, we, we um, were honest willing to just have a chat with you about the show. So I just had a um, Skype interview with Ron <laughs> that... Um, didn't work <laughs> because one because one Skype didn't work. So, so we went um, to, we went to a phone interview and we spoke for about an hour and um, we really hit it off. We, uh, we we went pretty much straight into um, into creative discussions and and tossing around some ideas and and you know coming up with different ways of of doing things and I just we just had a really really great conversation and. Um, Ron ended up hiring me. Cool, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the first time working with Ron Howard as well? First time, yes. Yeah. So the first time I spoke to him was that interview, yeah. Wow, yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things that when you hear Ron Howard's involved, I guess the regardless of the project, you're just going to say yes. So. 
<laughs> you know, that was, that, that's not untrue. You know, I would have, um, I probably would have done it if he, if he would have done a kid comedy. But the fact that it was um, such a great subject matter that I care about so, so much and it's in this so up, up my alley was just, a, um, yeah, it was a really cool coincidence at the yeah. same time. Yeah, so I mean, the 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 show is is about Einstein. Uh, Jeffrey Rush, he was fantastic as the uh, the leader. Yeah, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, you've got Johnny Flynn as well. I think Johnny Johnny did an amazing amazing job as well. Yeah, yeah, really good. How familiar were you with uh, with the sort of story of Einstein, and and uh, did you have to sort of do any research to in, into it as well? I think yes, we did. A, we we ended up doing a, a ton of research. On um, doing pre-production and I, you know, I learned a lot. I, I shared the same presentation as, as many of us did of working on that show. We all kind of thought we knew a little bit about Einstein and, you know, through, through really through Ken's work of um, uh, adapting the book in, in the way that he did and with the research that he did and um, all this, these mom- moments in Einstein's life that he ended up sharing with us all in, in the scripts, we started to realize how, how little we really knew, you know, yeah. because he's, um, He's such an, uh, he's such a, such a fascinating character in, in a positive and in a negative sense, you know, and um, it was quite an eye opener um, how little I actually knew while I thought I did know more, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. You've got very kind of interesting visual style to the series. How, how did you approach that? It's a great potpourri of things that I've been into for a long time that were um that were applicable, you know, that they just were fitting for this show. Um, Ron, um, right at the top, made it very clear to me that he was, he was trying to, we, we, we shared a desire to not make the show feel period piece dusty. Um, you know, we wanted to keep it current and we wanted to keep it accessible. Yeah. And one thing that was really important to Ron was to highlight the, the character of young Einstein, this, this volatile, rebellious, young, womanizing, yeah. um, energetic person. Um, we, wanted to, we wanted to support that by shooting um, young Einstein's timeline with a very vibrant, very dynamic, very, very mobile camera that was, you know, we were moving the camera a lot, did a lot of handheld and such and you know and uh, we shot Einstein's later life and he's you know grown up to be a mature scientist who uh, you know had to conform in a certain way and he's kind of in a, in a, in a way Einstein has become the person he always desired not to be yeah um, we shot that very differently we shot that um, with a very um, still very heavy draggy camera movements and um, a very different lens package that had a um, completely different feel to it you know our young Einstein's lens package has a, you know lenses that are slightly flary and they're, they're a bit softer on the edges and they have, you know, they breathe a little bit and they're on the wide angles, they're, they're a bit curvy and beautiful, beautiful texture, but, you know, they're slightly imper- imperfect lenses which will make them so attractive. Yeah. And then the other lens package for older Einstein was um, Master Prime to the very, very straight, very sharp, very classically beautiful lenses that are, you know, absolutely perfect and have a very different feel to them. So we differentiated in that. We also differentiated in, co- uh, in color timing, in the way we were treating um, young Einstein and, um, and the mature Einstein. We introduced the color prime rate in production design for all the Einstein to symbolize him being confronted with the, with the rise of Nazi Germany. 
Yeah. And um, overall, in terms of lighting as well, it was the way Ron put it is like, you know, light should always be a factor. So and we made sure light was always a factor in its presence or in its absence, you know. Yeah. Um, if that was, you know, slightly too hot practicals or flares or silhouettes, you know, um, dark spaces in the frame. And so light was always to a certain degree had to sort of draw a little bit of, of attention to itself since it was something that was so inspiring to Einstein who was so curious about nature and universe itself. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Ron a few times there. H- how was it working with Ron? Because he didn't direct all of it, did he? He, he directed some no, of he it. Directed the, he, yeah, he directed the, um, um, our first episode. Yeah. And he obviously produced throughout the show. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I uh, we had quite a, we had quite extensive prep as well. So we really, we really, um, it was, I mean, overall, it was one of my um, favorite working relationships with any director ever so far. And that's not just because he's Ron Howard. It's because he is an absolutely, um, is an absolute inspiration. He's a infectiously passionate filmmaker who, who loves what he does and is extremely good at it because he's done it for a very long time and he's also very talented. So I was, I learned something from, from him every day and you know, even on days where you come in a little bit tired or, you know, a little bit deflated, you cannot help but getting get excited when you're around him because he, you know, he is that infectious personality. Yeah. He is, uh, makes very clever choices. He is 100% story driven. He is yeah. um, also very generous and extremely collaborative. He is one of those people that believes in, you know, hiring the right people, giving them the right tools and then let, let them do what they're good at. So um, it was great for me to work with him because I had lots of ideas and he let me bring the stuff that I'm good at to the table, Yeah. Um, which which makes it so much fun. And also <laughs> what really surprised me is from our, uh, our very first conversation, Ron was pointing out that, you know, he hasn't directed anything um, on a TV schedule before. Yeah, and yeah. he's a little bit nervous. He's a little bit nervous about the different pace because he's used to, you know, working on a feature schedule. Yeah. And he expressed it to me early on. And I said to him, you know, I think it would be fine. And, you know, I'm, I have a reputation for working quite fast. So, um, it, you know, I think it will be okay. And he brought his first AD that he's been working with for 20 years to the show and we had a great prep and it was nothing but a pleasure. And then when we, when we started to get close to shooting, it just sank in with me and I thought to myself, what if, what if these guys are really slow? <laughs> what if these guys are actually like, you know, just feature guys who can't quite move at the pace that we need to be moving. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kind of like, ah, you know, this, this might be trouble. Um, and you know, <laughs> I soon learned that the exact opposite was true. Like I tried to outrun one, I tried to hustle, and I tried, I tried to be faster, but he he kept up. He doesn't just keep up, but he was just ahead of us um, every single step of the way. He's got an incredible attention span, and he's so um, he's so uh, so sure of what he's doing, yeah. and so precise that is, you know, he. Um, he doesn't take much time figuring anything out because he thought of everything already, you know? <laughs> and so he, I think the third day of our production, we shot 122 setups, which is a, it's a really big number. Yeah. And I've never done anything like that before. Um, but it's yeah, it's, I, yeah, it was quite, it was quite, it was quite phenomenal. Like the, you know, the, the one person that I thought might be slow and is definitely the fastest director I've worked with. Yeah, yeah, that that's crazy. Because yeah, I was going to ask about that, and you know, film directors. Because that's certainly not always the case when film directors go and do TV. Oh things, hell so. no, 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 <laughs> so, oh, no. 
Yeah. And I tell you, and I tell you, a lot of a lot of TV directors that I know that are good and that are considered fast and they are uh, are proud of their their pace couldn't keep up with Ron. So that was <laughs> that was really amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> You've actually worked on, you mentioned it earlier, actually, another show that, that has uh, jumps around in timelines. You you did uh, Legends, which ran for two seasons, the Sean Bean show. That's right. That, which which was a great, great show and, and really entertaining. Oh, uh, thank you. I, I really enjoyed that show. And it, it had, uh, that had quite an interesting sort of visual style as well, because you, you're kind of playing with, uh, you know, as you jump backwards and forwards in time, it plays with the visual style a bit as well. And that I, I seem to remember. Yeah, that's so, absolutely that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, yeah. How, how was it working on that? Oh, it was, um, that was, uh, that, that a lot. I mean, Genius and Legends are, will be sort of the two shows that I'm, um, I'm sort of most excited about the process of working on. And um, to, a, to a very large degree, it has to do with Ken Biller, who I really think is a genius. He's, um, he's an incredible writer and he's a, he's a, he's a really good showrunner. You know, he's a very, very production savvy showrunner and he's also an excellent director himself. Yeah. And so that was my first, that was my first time working with Ken and the show never did great numbers, but I, I really loved, I loved that show. And I, I really think it's, um, I, I really find it very entertaining. Yeah. Um, I think it may have been, it may have been airing on the wrong, on the wrong network at the time. Because I don't think that, I don't think the TNT audience was ready for that sort of reinvent that um, TNT was trying to do at the time. Yeah. But um, I really enjoyed working on that show. It's, uh, Ken is very interested in multiple timelines that are interweaving. Yeah. So um, it's, it's um, something that he does very, very well. And that always is very much fun for, for me because as a, you know, as a shooter, it, it allows you to put a few different style choices on a show. Yeah. and play with and play with different visual language which is always exciting yeah it's i mean i i love that show just uh, dramatically i thought it was really interesting the kind of you know playing with different characters for, for sean as well the characters I, were great i think yeah. yeah yeah i thought they were really good and it's one of the rare occasions when sean's the one person that actually doesn't die and ends up being in both seasons <laughs> as well <laughs> exactly, so yeah, so, uh, yeah. No, and, that was a really fun show yeah, so really good. Uh, you worked a bit on Wayward Pines as well, which is a, another visually very interesting show. And uh, there's there's a second season of Genius coming as well. Are you are you involved with that? Um, yes, I'm. Um, I am. Yes, I. Um, at this point, I'm. Yes, I'd love to do a second season of Genius, and we're. I mean, you know, we don't have any. Um, we don't have a start date yet or yeah. anything, but I. I, I I definitely agreed to do a second season and I'm very, very excited about that. Good, because it's, uh, it's on Picasso the second season, so that, that sounds yeah. like it's going to yeah. be very, very interesting. That uh, is, a, it is exciting, yes. Yeah. Um, just some more general questions about your background, really. How mm-hmm. did you get into cinematography in the first place? I'm one of those guys, I, just, I, I actually never really did anything else. You know, I, I was I was cast into a TV show as a kid when I was five, and I, was, I did that for a little while, and, and I found my dad's bollocks in the basement, and, you know, I was, I was right away hooked on, you know, shooting to stop motion movies right. like so many kids do yeah and my dad bought me film and i kept shooting film and then eventually <laughs> you know my parents put me into an art school and in, in munich and i um i was very lazy in school um <laughs> and was and was um i was actually miserable i was a horrible student because i i just didn't care very much but i really liked my art teacher and i really liked my art class yeah and he allowed me to hand in most of my assignments in film form so i kept i kept shooting and shooting and shooting <laughs> and then when I was 16, my um, my mom's friends who was an editor at Bavaria Film Studio um, um, helped me get a job at Bavaria Film Studio, and I just started working on the floor 
um, you know, evenings and weekends. And then when school was finished, I just, you know, kept going. Eventually went to film school. And yeah. I always wanted to, I always knew I wanted to be a cinematographer. I <laughs> was always very much, you know, I'm, I'm a very visual person. I was always, I was always very much drawn to the shooting side of things. Yeah. And, you know, I never really had a real job. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's just kind of, you know, evolves sort of by itself, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a heck of an age to start shooting. <laughs> oh, what, <five? laughs> yeah, no, I know. That's crazy. Um, so uh, what would you say has been the most interesting experience you've had while working? You know, I, I do have to say genius, genius does take the price at this point. It is. It was, it was the mix of people and the subject matter. And it was one of those shows that just uh, everything just went well and everything yeah. was right. And it was... It was fun. I got to, you know, it's um, it's a pleasure. You know, it was a, it was a pleasure working for National Geographic. These guys are amazing. Um, just an amazing network to work for. They um, they're famous for their photography, and yeah. they were really they, you know, being a shooter for for that channel is is a, is a pleasure and an honor because you know, imagery is what they're known for, and so they're very supportive of, of the of the um, photographers and cinematographers and really um, yeah, yeah. gave me what I asked for and let me do what I wanted with it, you know, which is rare, you know. They, nobody ever challenged me on what camera I wanted to use or what I wanted to do this or for, or, you know, how, how are you going to shoot that or, like, you know, what is this going to look like? Nobody ever asked that question. They just, yeah. they were just supportive and didn't micromanage. And, and you know, that's Ron setting the tone for the show and working the way he did and then being able to work with Ken Miller again and working with a fantastic crew that I already knew over in Prague. Yeah. It was really great. Yeah. And uh, we've we've established you're you're currently working uh helping out on uh, Man in the High Castle. It was uh, Gonzalo <laughs> Gonzalo and Matt was the person that I uh I I All right, yes. I, I interviewed I haven't met Gonzalo yet. I'm, I've been sort of working with Jim quite a bit, but I haven't met okay. Gonzalo yet, but I hear I hear, yeah. but I hear amazing things about him. Yeah, really really nice guy. Um so yeah, you've you're working on that at the moment. What else are you working on? I'm trying to take some time off, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't, I haven't done it in a, quite a long time actually. But since then, you know, since you're planning on getting back into prep, for, you know, early fall, like late summer, I'm just trying to take a few weeks off here. Yeah. And then um, start genius again. Cool. Cool. Um, two final questions, which we ask everybody. Mm-hmm. What, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? I've been watching um, Big Little Life. Yes. And, and I, um, I enjoyed it very much. I've um, also been watching Stranger Things. I'm a little bit behind on that, but um, uh, I also, it's another show that I really enjoyed. Yes. Great, great show, that. Absolutely super. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Um, se- second season coming in uh, October for that. So. Oh, yeah? Fantastic. Yeah. Second season of that coming in October looks brilliant. Um, and uh, if you had the opportunity to work on any show, past, present or future, what show would it be? Holy crap. Um, <laughs> well, that's a really damn good question, you know. And, you know, I, I, um, I wouldn't, you know, I would love shooting something like Westworld. Right, yeah. Um, just because of the scope of it and because of, you know, again, the, uh, the you know, the opportunity of um, future means, meets, meets pastime in the same show. It's very, it's very enticing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it sounds corny, but, you know, if I wasn't working on Genius and I hear that there's a show about Picasso coming out, I would really like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect job, then. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I I shall let you uh, get back to your day, and uh, thanks for spending a little bit of time just to talk through your. Well, thank uh, your you career so much. It was stuff. a great pleasure, and sorry that it um, took so long. <laughs> it's all right. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, have a great day. Yeah, you too.
All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So that was the interview with Matthias. Hope you really enjoyed that. Genius, I suspect he's floating around on services here and there. So it's well worth going to watch if you want to go and pick it up from somewhere. Next up, we have some highlights for next week on TV. So we kick off the highlights for next week with Shooter, which is uh, returning for its second season on the 19th of July to Netflix. This is the uh, Ryan Philippe series based on the Mark Wahlberg film. Uh, I think I've seen the film. I don't think I've actually watched any of the episodes of the TV series yet. So well, uh, I was about to ask you the same question because I haven't. Obviously, again, don't have Netflix, so I haven't seen the first one. And I think it's one of those that doesn't come out on disc, so I wouldn't have got around to seeing it. Yeah, um, don't know. The film was the film was from memory quite reasonable. Yeah, um, yeah, the film was okay. I seem to remember the film was quite good. So I will go and watch that, I think, at some point and see what I think. But uh, yeah, 19th of July, the second season comes onto Netflix for that. There's a show called Ozark, which is coming, which is a drama starring Jason Bateman as a money launderer who uproots his family to the Missouri Ozarks when a deal with a Mexican drug cartel goes awry. That's coming on the 21st of July to Netflix as well. I believe that's a kind I mean, because that description could set it up as comedy or drama. I believe it's a drama from uh, what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. But what are the Missouri Ozarks? I'm assuming it's an area in Missouri. (laughs) Right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to Google Maps. As soon as we're done, I'm getting onto Google Maps because I I want to know now. It's probably, I wonder if it's a lake area or something. I don't know. Uh, Oh, it's a mountain region. Oh, right. Okay. Lakes, mountains. Yes. Tomato, tomato. It's uh, okay. yes, it's a uh, it's a mountain, the Ozark Mountains, apparently. So okay. Uh, so uh, next after that we have Midnight Texas, which is coming to Sci-Fi UK on the twenty seventh of July at nine pm. This sounds quite interesting. It's from the author of True Blood. It's uh, set in a town where witches, vampires, werewolves, and angels, and all that other sort of thing, basically live in the town together and are, are trying to sort of keep away outsiders and people that may do them harm. It looks like it could be quite good fun. That and it sounds like being human. <laughs> yes, well, there is a certain amount of that. I don't think it's going to be quite that sort of humorous take on it, which uh, being human could be sometimes. I don't yeah. know, though. Um, but yeah, from the creator of True Blood. So I, I quite like the sound of that. I think it could be quite interesting. Top of the Lake returns for a second season. That's on the 27th of July at 9pm. That's the New Zealand drama, uh, which is, I think it is about the disappearance of a girl again, I think. Surely not a pregnant, it was pregnant, a pregnant teenager in the first series, wasn't it? It's not likely to be exactly the same as that second time. Yeah, no, it's it's not. Uh, It is the disappearance of a girl, but it's not a pregnant teenager the second time. So uh, that's coming 27th of July. Ballers returns for its third season and that's on the 27th of July as well. Again, uh, no, I know Ross loves that show, but it's not one that I've watched. Then it's got the it's got the rock in it and the man can do no wrong. He's good yes. in everything. He's he's somebody once described him to me as the kind of person that you don't that you want to dislike but you can't because he's just so good at everything. <laughs> yes, I think that's fairly true. 
Then we've got The Last Tycoon, which is coming for its first season to Amazon Prime. That's on 28th of July. This is from F. Scott Fitzgerald's last work following a uh, Hollywood golden boy as he battles his father figure for the soul of the studio. Stars Matt Boomer, Kelsey Grammer and Lily Collins. Sounds quite interesting that. I I might go and watch a few episodes and see what I think of that. Kelsey Grammer as in Frasier, Kelsey. Yes, as in Frasier, Kelsey uh-huh. Grammer. All right, very good. Okay. And uh, then we've got Insecure which is back for its second season on Sky Atlantic. That's from the 3rd of August at 10.35. Now, you may have noticed going through that that it wasn't just the next week on TV, it was the next few weeks on TV. That is because I am on holiday for two weeks. So there may be some shows going up, then, but they won't be normal shows. There will be interview shows if uh, if I do manage to get them put out but i haven't quite decided what i'm doing yet so uh <laughs> we we will be back on tuesday the 8th of august though and while and while dave is away on the 20th of july on channel five at nine o'clock there will be all 24 episodes of gotham season three another <laughs> one that's not true. don't <laughs> say things five. like that <laughs> <laughs> gotham comes up once or twice every now and again on this website gotham is the most searched show um should mention actually uh i i had a long conversation on the phone with uh, Channel 5 about Gotham. And basically, it isn't their fault. They are being prevented from from airing it for reasons that they are not allowed to tell me, but they are being stopped from airing it. They're as frustrated as, as we are because it makes them look ridiculous. They do have the rights to it. They're just not being allowed to air it yet for some reason. They are yeah, hoping... Makes you wonder what the point of having rice are. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it, it's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. But they are being prevented from airing it at the moment. It it will well, they are hoping it will come in autumn now, which is frustrating because that means it's a year behind. And also that I, I confirmed with Amazon, uh, I mean they may change their mind on this, but I did confirm with Amazon that the discs for Gotham are out at the end of August. So technically you can probably get it on disc before you can on Channel 5. That's also upset Channel 5, but there's nothing they can do about it. It may in the long run presumably affect Channel 5. Well, I don't know how many seasons they bought, but it may affect their decision to buy season 4. I suspect it will do. And given if they're having these problems now, I mean, I don't know what the problems are, but if they're having these problems now, then I, you know, if I was them, I probably wouldn't want to buy it again. No, which is a shame. But Well, um, it's a shame, but then if they, part of me feels sorry for them, part of me thinks, well, maybe you should get better people negotiating for you. But, <laughs> you know... Yeah, or- Read the contract before you sign it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I, I don't know what the holdup is. I just know there is a holdup. Um, yeah. So it's difficult, but yes, that is the update on Gotham anyway. So that's everything for this week and possibly for the next couple of weeks. We'll see. But uh, we are back to a normal show on the 8th of August. Hope everybody is having a lovely sun- summer. It's a wonderful sunny day outside today. So I hope everybody's enjoying the uh, the sun, which will continue, I'm sure, throughout the whole summer. Uh- <laughs> well, he's absolutely right. In fact, I was going to go and watch Game of Thrones, but I've just looked out the window. It is nice. So I, I'll do that later. I'm yes. going outside. We will be keeping updates 
notes on the uh, website so if you can uh, if you want to get the latest news and air dates you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see you in a few weeks bye 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 everyone Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.